The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Eight minutes after 11 o'clock, you're listening to The Talking Point here on SAFM. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you for staying with us. If you're just joining us, welcome. In this hour, well, at least in what's left of the show in this hour, we're going to be speaking and try to make sense of the new sub-variant of COVID-19 that has been recorded in South Africa. We're going to make sense about what this means. We don't know enough yet. What we do know is that it's more contagious, right? Spreads easier, spreads faster. But we don't know what that means epidemiologically beyond that. Hopefully we'll find out. But we have to start asking the questions, should it be that measures need to be taken to curb the spread of it or to curb the impact of it, what should be the extent of those measures? And I'd like for you to be a part of this conversation. 0860002032. In the open line in the first hour of the show, somebody said, somebody made the argument uh, that we should bring back uh, restriction for international travelers, especially those coming in from China as There's a massive outbreak in China at the moment, an ongoing outbreak in China at the moment. Those are one of the measures that that are under consideration. My guest for this hour is Dr. Angelique Kutsia. She's the chairperson of the South African United Business Confederation's Health Committee, previously having served with the South African Medical Association. Dr. Angelique Good morning, and thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate uh, you making time to have this conversation with us. Let's perhaps start here. What is important for us to know about the subvariant and its epidemiological configuration at this moment? Uh, granted, there's there's still discoveries taking place and still uh, research into it, trying to make sense of it. So we don't know everything there is to know about the subvariant, but we do know some things. What stands out as important features for us to know? A good morning and a good morning to all your listeners out there. Yes, I think it's important to understand that um, Omicron has got two sub-variants um, of, of uh, concern uh, that we need to watch. The one is the, uh, the XBB. This is the Kraken one that everyone is talking about. Yeah. And the other one is the BQ1. So um, the BQ1 came directly from the BA5, the one that we saw um, with Omicron gave, giving us most of the infections in, right. in the past. Um, the, the XBB1 or Kraken, as they like to call it, and I, I'll stick to the term Kraken, has spread quickly across the northeastern United States, and it accounted for around about 41% of confirmed COVID cases um, now, during this past few months in, 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 in the Americans. Coming back to South Africa, we, however, have not seen uh, this past three weeks any increase in COVID-19 cases, uh, including then, it, uh, you know, the XBB or Kraken. The difference is uh, with the, with the Kraken, the subvariant um, yeah. regard, um, between the 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 BO five, is that it's just more fast spreading. It's more transmissible. So far, it's the most transmissible subvariant, but it is not more dangerous. It doesn't give us more 
um, serious infections. And I think that's very important to understand that. However, in South Africa, as in currently, we have not, in, especially in the Gauteng area, as I've mentioned earlier, saw an increase in COVID-19 cases. Um, however, it might be a bit different in the Western Cape where this was detected, but still no need for any panic at this stage. Yeah. So explain to us virality as far as uh transmission is concerned just because something is more transmissible doesn't necessarily make it more dangerous but is there a cost to that to begin with that is to say um, just because it's not more dangerous we should not be of concern therefore no measures should no real measure should be taken at mitigating or curbing it is that a correct understanding of that flow of logic Not entirely. So um, I think, again, it is uh, important to understand that your um, Kraken has been detected in 29 countries. It can become more widespread. We in South Africa, we might get it. We need to understand that the antibodies are waning um, after a certain time, whether you had been vaccinated or infected, it doesn't matter. We see it. So my advice for the p- people out uh, in, in, in South Africa would be if you are above the age of 60 with a lot of comorbidities, comorbidities means I've got hypertension, diabetes, cancer, um, HIV and controlled um, TB, that type of thing. I've got chronic diseases um, that will bring down or influence my immune system. Um, and if I haven't had my booster uh, we would advise them to get their booster. We would advise people again with with um, poor um, immune systems. Again, regardless whether yeah. you are above sixty, but under sixty as well. If you go to a shopping center in a mall and you don't feel well, or you know that there is an increase um, in COVID cases in that specific area where, or community where you stay, wear your mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but wear a proper mask. We have seen the value of masks. Um, and then some places like uh, surgeries, um, doctor's appointments, hospitals, go and visit people there. It's high, it's high, um, uh, um, I want to say dangerous areas. You know, it's, it's, it's areas where there's a lot of infections um, uh, as because of the nature of, of, of the diseases that you are seeing and treating in those areas. Be careful. Don't go with your whole family if you only want to go and do an x-ray. Just go yourself. Make sure, again, um, you know, 1.5 meters um, if you sit next to someone in in, in sort of a close um, environment. that You don't sit too close, especially if they are coughing or they don't look well to you. It's the normal precautions that we need to take. We unfortunately also need to learn how to live with this virus. Um, and therefore, it brings me back to the question that was also asked before, should we close our borders? Um, unfortunately, your viral infections are not confined to an enclosed space. Vi- viruses travel wherever they want. They've got a mind of their own. You cannot close your borders. You need to you need to be um, from the uh, government side and from the, the, the doctors and the medical side. We need to 
to keep you updated and to say to you, listen, we are now seeing an increase in these cases. Now you have to do A, B, C, D. We, um, we, we need to communicate with the people out there and the people need to, to listen. But you as a person also need to take responsibility. But to try to, to close your borders, it's not going to work. We have seen it. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 086-000-2032, Dr. Kusia, I just want to go back to, uh, you know, speaking about the what we know epidemiologically about these these particular mm-hmm. subvariants. We know that the Kraken uh, variant, for, uh, subvariant, for instance, uh, is more contagious, but the other variant, uh, we don't know much about, and that's more present across uh, the southeast of the U.S., you mentioned. Um what what would the threat be for us to take it serious as a highly uh, concerning variant? Well, um, the threat would be once if we our numbers are starting to rise again and um, if our death rate goes up and our hospitalization. So that, that means there's a severity um, um, uh, of cases and it's not only just a fast-spreading virus so we need to, you know, it, it, that's why I said from, from us and from the government side, we need to communicate with the people out there. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of people not listening and say, oh, you know, this is nonsense. We've been through this before. Or you're going to get people who overreact. And we need to find a balance. Also important to understand, you know, just to, a, a, a bit more uh, feedback on the XBB15 is that it's very skilled at dodging our antibodies, whether, as I've said, whether it's from the vaccines or whether it's from a previous infection. And then what it does, it binds more tightly to the cells, and that gives it a, a growth advantage. And um, and then it spread very easily um, from there on. So, but we have to we we have to to be aware of what is happening, but no reason for any panic yeah. now, as in today. In South Africa, next week we might say something different, um, mm-hmm. but for now you need to know about it. That's why we say it is a variant of concern. We need to know about it. We need to watch it, and we need to tell the people out there. You know, once we really see an outbreak. So the XBB one, um, you say, is quite skillful in evading uh, our antibodies, and yeah. uh, binds more tightly to ourselves. And that makes it more yeah. uh, contagious as far as virality, uh, virality is concerned. But doesn't yes. necessarily attack our immune systems as aggressively as previous variants that were perhaps more dangerous as far as serious illness is concerned. Does, yes. does the mm-hmm. sneakiness of this subvariant in being able to evade our uh, antibodies, does it not raise concern in the medical community that it could potentially uh, uh, mutate into an actually more uh, contagious uh, and dangerous variant because it binds more tightly to ourselves. And here I'm just shooting from the hip. I'm no doctor. Mm-hmm. Please do correct me. Uh, because it, it binds more tightly to ourselves, it will study ourselves a little bit better. We'll study our immune systems a bit better and we'll learn how to defeat it uh, a, a lot right. more aggressively. Is that a threat? And Am I being medically off here or is that a, a real concern? Yeah. Look, look um, I wish I wish that we could have um, predict what these viruses will do going forward. But what is what is important is that it is the most transmissible subvariant 
that has been detected yet, and this is coming from the World Health Organization, um, that at the severity, again, there's no indication that it makes people more sick than previous subvariants. But there's nothing that prevents the subvariant to evolve into something more um, aggressive. You are absolutely correct, but we don't know. This is unfortunately we are in a in a in a type of uh, environment where you you go. I want to say blind. You 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 know what you know. You know they might be coming. There might be um, uh, uh, problems going forward. But you don't know how, the how mm. and where it will be, mm. Uh, mm. except to have more severe disease, uh, uh, you know, but we don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. 086-000-2032. Welcoming your calls on that if you want to contribute to this conversation I'm having with Dr. Angelique Kutsia. Uh Dr. Angelique, you say that we will be able to notice a threat if there's uh, if we see an increase in cases. Mm-hmm. Are we testing enough? I feel I feel like, and again, speculative no. here, but I feel like we've given up on testing simply because we know we're covered, well covered. We've got a 95% herd immunity. Dr. Tulio de Oliveira tells us uh, we we Omicron didn't quite defeat us. Yeah, people fell sick, but low hospitalization rate, low uh, mortality rate. Uh, we're okay for the most part. I don't know if people still test for COVID-19. Should we go back to a testing, a strict testing regimen? Well, everything that you have mentioned is true. Um, so what, what what we are doing in our surgery, if a patient comes in with upper respiratory tract infections or anything that doesn't fit the picture that we have seen, let's say, the past two or three days, we will test them. We will do a rapid test depending on how long their the, the symptoms are there. So it's always a good thing. But um, as I've said, the last three weeks in the Gauteng area, and I've been working right through um, the festive season, we haven't really seen any upper respiratory tract infections. Yes, we see a lot of, of musculoskeletal um, type of complaints. We see tiredness. We see a lot of mental illnesses which might be related, which we never see this time of the year. Normally it ends right, you know, December. So a lot of this might be due to long COVID side effects, especially right, on right. the mental side right. and the musculoskeletal. But that's what we see. We we So clinically, we don't see an increase now at this stage yeah. of any respiratory tract infections. And that's what we, we, we watch. So if you have a respiratory tract infection, um, you have symptoms longer than than uh, twenty four hours. A rapid test would be uh, would be um, I think uh, the right thing to do until we have decided on see yes there is an increase in those cases. Yeah. Uh, um, then from a doctor's side of a point is if I started this morning and all of a sudden I have let's say out of ten patients five with upper respiratory tract infection then I also would know something is wrong. Because that's right, not the pattern right. that we are seeing. So right. that's a, another way of looking at it. Right. Do doctors uh, have a reporting feedback loop system somehow to be able to, uh, you know, bring about alerts when 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 there's a, a pattern emerging? Yes. Yes. We 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 do have. Um, we um, the doctors are supposed to be linked with NICD database, and we will report into the NICD database. 
Yeah. Give us a call, 86 I've got a few questions for you here, Dr. Angelique. Let's have a listen at these. Good morning, Oliver. How are you? Kindly ask the doctor for me, uh, in terms of the vaccine, did the people from China get a vaccination? And if they did, what's making the virus to spread like, like that? Because I, I'm, I'm of the view that if they were vaccinated and then they got the boosters, the infection rate is not going to be high as, as it is now. Can you please kindly ask, hey, what's causing that? Dr. Kutsia, do you want to respond to so, that? Yes, yes, Oliver. Um, so what I think what is extremely important is to um, understand that the people in China, they didn't, uh, th- they got the, the vaccines that they didn't, they've not been vaccinated with Pfizer or uh, Moderna or um, uh, uh, even uh, uh, AstraZeneca. They have not been vaccinated with those ones. They've been vaccinated with um, a Chinese va- um, vaccine, which is not um, the the uh, 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 coverage of that vaccine against severe disease are not very good. It's not in the same class than the other vaccines that we are using in the rest of the world. And I think that's that's very important. Yeah? And then again, do we have what any data did, on, the, on the Chinese vaccine's uh, efficacy? I, I had data on it. Um, it was not very, very... Um, I looked at it last week. It was not... Uh, on the mild disease, all the vaccines more or less the same against mild disease. But on severe disease, it was, it was quite mu- much lower than um the the nova vax in south the nova vax is about 89% and the the chinese one was much lower than than 89% and that is a that's a problem and then you cannot um that what these um countries did or what china did try to to lock down everything and thought that you will never get um, infected and you will p- p- protect your your people. It that it doesn't work like that with your vaccines. Yeah, give us that call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Do you have a question for Doctor Angelique? Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice note. Morning, Oliver. In actual fact, in hospitals, it should be a restriction. There should be some restriction that people when they visit hospitals should wear masks all the time it should be made and known that masks must be worn when one visits the hospitals thank you i'm calling from butterworth so this brings back an important question uh dr angelique should we consider lockdown restrictions even at the lower end so like a lockdown level one where uh, mask wearing in uh, inside of buildings was a mandatory thing, where hand sanitizing uh, when entering a building was a mandatory thing, uh, where social distancing was mandatory still at that level, and perhaps even isolation if you've tested positive for COVID. Right now, you don't even have to isolate if you're positive for COVID, right? Because there are no lockdown restrictions in place. The Disaster Management Act, uh, state, this national state of disaster has been revoked, and we're living as though it's normal. Should there be a consideration at a policy level of reintroducing some of those man- uh, measures, not at a voluntary, encouraging way, but at a mandatory level. 
Well, I think what is extremely important is that the moment when we really see an increase in cases, that we we bring back the mask wearing. But you have to understand there's such a lot of pushback from people regarding masks. There's such a lot of pushback for people with social distancing. And yes, I fully agree with the speaker, the previous speaker from Butterworth, regarding uh, mask um, wearing in hospitals and those type of places. And that's, I, I mentioned it right in the beginning of the conversation, that if you go into healthcare facilities, you should not take your whole family with. If you just quickly want to get your medicine or go for an x-ray, just you yourself and and please be be aware that you are entering a place where there's lots of germs. And it's not only COVID that's there. There's other infectious diseases as well that you can get if someone is coughing and no one is wearing any masks. I fully agree with that. But there's a huge pushback currently. And we can never afford to go back to a level lockdown yeah. level five. Never, ever. We cannot. The, that that we never can do. But yes, as can I we think afford we a lockdown can. level one? We can, but but for now, it's not going to help us because there is still no. Um, it's not going to prevent the spread of the virus. And again, people is going to say, "Well, no one is sick, so why do I need to wear my mask?" But the moment when we have the numbers and see the numbers starting starting to increase, then it's a different um, picture, total different picture. At what level uh, do you have a, I mean, I'm, I'm perhaps being a little bit unfair here, but at what level do you think the number should reach for concern lights to go on? They normally, they normally say, you know, they talk about an uh, infectivity rate of about 5%. So uh, I would say if we, for now, currently, not a lot, there's really not any increases um, in cases, but if we start to to reach round about 5,000 5, plus 10,000 positive cases, again, it, it depends on how many people have been tested uh, because that's how you work it out, the positivity rate. Then you need to start to, to, to you know, make people aware and start bringing mask wearing back. In our surgeries, we still use wear masks when we yeah. see the patients, and I think yeah. that's very important. I, in um, And that is what doctors need to do. Doctors still need to wear their masks. I've fallen out of the loop, but how high is a positive uh, a positivity rate uh, considered? At what point is a positivity rate considered to be high? I think it's 5%. I'm speaking under correction. Yeah. Um, I'll double check for you, but I think it's 5%. Okay, give us a call. 086-000-203 to continue the conversation. On the other side of this, it's half past 11. Let's take your news headlines with Mposi Tole. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. We continue the conversation. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. Michael's out in Klaveja. Good morning. Morning. Um, mine is just a quick one, right? Um, if the first job um, didn't work, and the second one, and the third one, and you now need a booster, what is the booster going to do that the first, second, third job did not do? That's, that's the first question. In other words, what is, what is the booster that you need if you've taken the first, second job to stop the virus and now you are being told, go take a booster, what is a booster? And, and, and what is the booster going to do that the first, second job that you were told to 
case, did not do. The, the second one is China have vaccinated almost 90% of its people. And so if there is an outbreak, then surely the job would not work. I'm just going to leave it there. I'll hear from the doctor. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, on that. Uh, Dr. Kutsia, why do we need booster shots as far as vaccination is concerned? Maybe not just for COVID, but just generally. Why do vaccinations have a booster shot regimen? So if you, so, so in general, um, I'm not talking um, about measles and those type of, uh, you, you need your booster shot because if you look at those, especially to use the measles vaccine again, it is uh, dependable on a cold chain. And uh, if something happens and you injected the patient and you um, somewhere along the line, the cold chain has been broken, that's then you don't actually inject the patient with or you don't immunize the patient. So you would like to have at least two to three um, injections because measles is, is, is something that you can cure or is preventable uh, with, with uh, vaccinations. So, and then you also would like to make sure six months later that you boost the immune system uh, again so that um, the, your, your memory cells will remember if they get in contact with the virus, um, in this case, the measles virus. Just to come back to the vaccines, uh, remember what we have said is that the antibody starts to win around about six, between four, from four months down um, upwards or downwards, um, uh, but definitely from six months. So what you need is if you are a person that might get you know, above a certain age group, as we have discussed with a lot of comorbidities, you you want to protect them against severe disease. The vaccines, unfortunately, is not showing a very good um, vac- uh, uh, rate against mild disease. So, but mild disease is also the disease that we know is not going to um, kill the people. So we can still live with with people with mild with mild disease. But your your um, your severe disease—that's the problem. And look, we have said that Omicron is a mild disease. Um, so the I, I think a lot of the effectivity against severe disease of the vaccines will only be tested once if you get really a new variant or new subvariant sure. giving us severe disease. Right. But for now, it seems that. For the current ZAP variants that's out there, you are being protected against them yeah. for severe disease. That's how it looks like at this stage. Yeah. And uh, that's why we want people at above a certain age, because they are the people who's the most vulnerable. If we looked at all the previous studies uh, and data of getting severe or, you know, dying from COVID, even mild COVID, you can still die from mild COVID, you know, don't, don't misunderstand us. But um, your risks are, are less, yeah. depending how on your we, age group and your other diseases. How do we classify severe disease versus mild disease? Is it the type of symptoms that you're suffering from or the yeah. severity of those symptoms? And can you d- delineate it's some of those for us? Both. It's the type of symptoms. Those people get um, oxygen, deprive, you know, the, the SATs. Uh, I think that's the easiest way. The, the oxygen levels goes very, very, or go very low. They would need um, oxygen support. 
they would they can get pneumonia they um can get uh um a severe um lockdown or severe what is the correct word um they get really very sick diabetes we have seen the increase in diabetes once you know the it's as if your whole immune system has been overwhelmed you're very sick while you're lying in icu those patients will be admitted that you can't you can't get them better at home uh you they need special supportive treatment um again there's not a lot of medication that we do have out there to treat your severe diseases so preferably you would like to um have these patients being vaccinated uh or having their booster if it's more than 6 months ago and especially again your certain cohort of people of a certain age um, we have citizens people who are most at risk those are the people i think that is it's important to look at them yeah let's have a listen at this whatsapp voice note hi oliver anonymous from bumalanga i've got one question uh, i hear uh, your guest is saying even if we close borders it doesn't work like that so if you close early Uh, if you close the borders very early how then does the virus form within that particular country that has closed off their border because i believe i believe that we are already late if uh, let's say next week we say the president announces that he's closing the borders it's already late because if you remember back then this thing started in december 2019 and then came february started to hit us but not so much then much not so much so my question is if we close early can that not work rather than waiting for the last day and say no we are closing where else people have already moved in and uh, it's spreading thank you Dr. Kutia do you have a response to you, uh, the you, travel you, you see I guess that the travel restriction conversation is a twofold one, right? And I think that uh, when we speak about closing borders, what does that look like versus restrictions for traveling travelers coming in from a certain country being placed under quarantine and all of that sort of protocol and practices. Uh in response, can you perhaps take that distinction into consideration? So I think what is important to understand again, you cannot you cannot contain a virus. That's the first thing. The second thing is what borders are you going to close? Are you going to close all your borders with your neighboring countries where you where you do in an export um are you going to close your air, your your um your your air um travelers are you going to close your sea traveling are you going to close all of that um and then what is it going to do again you know if there's actually currently no need for any panic uh to the economy and 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 you know we we barely are being um you know recapturating from the 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 last two years um so it is not really going to help so which one are you going to close are you going to close all your borders because there's no reason why someone cannot come you know via the zimbabwe border or via the mozambique border So how are you going to prevent that um because people is not don't see other people getting sick and we back again to that thing people perceive no one is sick no one is really ill and so why should i listen 
it, it becomes very difficult. And do we have the manpower to enforce at this stage where there's still no need um, of any um, to, to be concerned? How, how um, you know, what will the average person out there do? Mm, mm. Give us, give us a call, 0860002032. And just maybe then a final question uh, as, as final theme to explore as, as we wrap this up. Um, again, there's an encouragement by the Department of Health uh, for people to go back to wearing masks, for people to go back to sanitizing their hands and all mm. of that sort of stuff. But people still do get infected with COVID. I'm double vaccinated and I still mm. contracted COVID, right? True. And in my yep. instance... Uh, it came at a cost. I was not severely sick uh, that I needed hospitalization, but I was sick for quite a long time. In fact, I was sick for up for more than three weeks, just under a month, uh, where I'd lost my voice, for instance, and I can't do this without a voice, for instance. Uh, so I was not if I I couldn't work for a while, um, and my recovery was quite precarious. Uh, it impacted my diet and all of that sort of stuff, uh, and it makes me, you know, bring back to the to the fore the question about what the price of COVID really is in the day-to-day lives of people and whether whether we should really be thinking of it as an unimpactful, often innocuous uh, virus in the same way we think of the regular seasonal flu, for instance. Um, what should we, fe- how should we conceptualize COVID-19 going forward as far as disease classification and impact is considered at in the workplace, in schools and all of that? And for instance, Again, I bring back that question around uh, whether or not we need a mandatory intervention for mask wearing, hand sanitizing, and whether or not companies should start placing that on their workers, whether companies should go back, businesses should go back to encouraging remote working traditions and practices uh, to minimize, for instance, human interaction, or whether or not we really should just shoulder uh, soldier on and, and, and fight through this. Oliver, if you ask me, I'm a mask um, a fan. Um, for me, you need to wear a mask if you if you go to any healthcare facility, if you go to church, if you go to the shopping centres. For me, I'm the, if that's my personal opinion, and also a, a lot of the literature that I've read. But you can just as well go to one of the deans and one of the very famous universities in South Africa, and they will tell you it doesn't work. So, you know, it's it's very, very difficult because the studies does show that, do show that mask wearing is very um, effective. But uh, how do you get the people to understand this? People think we're not even in COVID anymore. We're still in a pandemic. No one said that we're out of a pandemic. We're Mm. still in a pandemic. And we need to understand and we need to take responsibility. For now, I would say each and everyone need to take responsibility for your own health and the health of your loved ones and your children close to you. Yeah, absolutely. You need to you need to hear this. You need to make sure. And it's and it's very simple. It's the mask, the hand sanitizer, and the social distance. It's not difficult, but people don't want to do that. Absolutely. I, I promise you, there's a huge pushback around this. And people get cross. Um, I've been criticized many times because I say they must wear masks. So mm-hmm. why do they need to wear masks? You know, then you get sick. I don't. You don't need to wear the mask. Get sick. Mm-hmm. But as you correctly said, don't forget long COVID is with mild disease. Long COVID is not confined to severe disease. Absolutely. 
Dr. Kutsia, thank and you so much. And that's a for problem. Dr. Kusia, thank you so much for your time this, this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. Incredibly insightful. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you for your time this morning. From myself and Kanye, it's really been an honor and a pleasure. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Shop. It's time for your book reading, Sitting Pretty.